Hey everyone, good morning and welcome to Res City. My name is Joel, in case uh, I have not gotten to meet you before or it's your first time joining us, uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Resurrection City Church. Um, we're going to hop into our message here in just a second. First, I want to pray though uh, for us. Lord, thank you for a chance to gather together. Um, I pray that you would bless our time as we uh, focus in on what, um, what we are going to be focusing in on today, Lord, um, experiencing you, um, uh, engaging with, with your Holy Spirit, which you have sent uh, to live with us. Uh, I pray that you would give us um, reverence and awe uh, for you. You would give us wisdom to, to know. And I pray that your spirit would move as we uh, listen uh, to know what it is that you are speaking to us today. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I just buried the lead, and today we are going to be actually talking about experiencing God. Um, we are in the middle of this sermon series that we've been doing this fall, uh, where we're talking about the sort of, uh, uh, kind of the, the basics of the Christian faith. Um, and what we're doing is we're sort of taking a, a, maybe a fresh angle at a lot of those things for, for, for some of you. Um, I know, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the idea of deconstruction. This is a big uh, thing for a lot of people, asking hard questions about the faith, sort of putting things that they've received, perhaps, as they've grown up maybe in the church, under their microscope and sort of, you know, asking ourselves, like, what if this comes from Jesus? What if this comes maybe from somewhere else? How do we know the difference? And how do we sort of um, have wisdom to discern, uh, you know, what, what is essential to keep and what isn't? And I've, I've hinted at times about my own sort of periods of this in my own life. I've gone through, I would say, several of these uh, different periods in my life. And uh, in one of them, this was a really big sort of thing I was uh, asking myself about. Like, how do we experience Jesus? What does it look like to do it? Um, and if I'm honest with you, and I am being honest with you, uh, I am still parsing a lot of that out. And so you're going to be kind of getting what I have sort of uh, worked out over, over my time of asking this question. But I also want to give the caveat, like, I, I kind of think I will be for the rest of my life. And, and at the end, you know, I'll try to talk about why I think that's important for us, um, maybe to, to have that approach. I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not upset about that, I guess, is what I'll say. Now, I think there is a lot of confusion on this issue. I doubt that, you know, the story I'm about to share here in a second is my own, you know, just, just about me, right? Or that there's no parallels to maybe some of you. Because um, the Christian claim, and this is a very, uh, you know, unique claim um, among uh, Christians and, and Jews, is that God is a speaking God. Um, that, that God, you know, he, he's not just one that we have a relationship with. He's not just one that has acted in the world. Uh, but he is a God who speaks to us. So we have communication with him. He's active today. He moves through his spirit, kind of weaving uh, around us in our lives uh, and, and, and in the rest of the world, through the, through the church and outside the church too, um, right? That, that's a claim that Christians uh, believe. And, and the prophets would talk a lot in the Old Testament about how uh, God is not an idol or a, a piece uh, made of wood or metal. Like he's, he's actually living. He's experienced. Right? This is a key differentiator between the Israel's God, Yahweh, and, and the nations around them. Okay? So it's kind of been there from the beginning. But this raises a lot of questions. Right? We, we talk a lot about that, but I, I'm going to guess that if you've you know, really thought much about that, you start to ask yourself some questions around that. Like, how do we know what is God and what isn't? Right? That's a question you probably have had to ask or, or you, you know, in the past. Um, how does he speak? How does he move? Right? What does it look like? Um, you know, why do we find sometimes that people say God spoke to them and they do often very trivial things or maybe kind of some dubious things or maybe even some terrible things because they thought they were doing what God had told them to do? There's a lot of instances of that today and throughout Christian history where we look at it now and we say, I really don't think that was probably God but you seem pretty convinced it was, so what do we do with that? How do, you know, it, it just may raises doubt in your own mind, probably, about like what your ability to understand what God is, is doing or not doing. And it might make you want to kind of throw it all out, which is kind of where I got to. So, so here's a little bit about my, my story with all this. So uh, I grew up in high school. I went to a, uh, a, a small Lutheran church uh, where we didn't talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. Um, but we went to this youth conference every year. It's down here in the Twin Cities. 
Uh, you know, I'm from northern Minnesota, and I always say it's down here. Uh, and it's like every, a lot of people are like, really? Is, is, how, is, how is Minneapolis, St. Paul, down from anywhere? Like, <laughs> uh, right? But for, it is for me. Um, and so we would come down here. We would go to this big youth conference at the Target Center. Um, and it was full of pyrotechnics and big concerts and lasers and all sorts of stuff that would really well up like a lot of emotion in the people in the crowd. And we'd always, you know, leave all fired up because God had told us to do something. And a few days later, that had completely worn off and there was like very little conviction to do anything that we had felt. I think it was, you know, I didn't think about it all that hard at the time, but I think uh, looking back at it now, there was this sort of like, how do we create this emotion in people? We'll tell them, you know, and, and, and what we're told is the feeling you feel right now, that's God moving in you. But, I mean, a lot of other people experience the same feeling when they go see rock concerts, right, or whatever. So the question is, like, well, what, is that actually God or is that something else that's been drummed up in us, right? Um, so, so that was kind of my main experience with it. Um, but I went to college, and when I did, I joined a charismatic, very Pentecostal campus ministry, and uh, <laughs> I was really not, like, ready for what I was getting myself into, okay? And I'm not, I'm not speaking poorly of it, so please hear me. Like, I still have a lot of friends that are a part of the ministry, a part of that church. I'm going to talk mostly about my own experience, okay? So, so let me just be clear about that. But I was really sort of surprised and unprepared for this emphasis on the Holy Spirit and on God sort of moving in everything that was going on. So pretty much every gathering we're in, like God was speaking in some way, we were being told, right? That was kind of like the, ex- the expectation and the norm. Um, and and we, I went to healing conferences, and like there weren't really well-defined rules. Like God is moving all the time, but what that looks like was not always clear to me. You know, it looked like a lot of times like signs, visions, dreams, um, strong feelings or urges, um, you know, maybe, maybe a word of knowledge or, or tongues. These are all things that kind of saw that God, you know, was moving in, that I was being told that God was moving in. And um, you would see a lot of times that they would create patterns that people would emulate. Um, and so, but, so I tried to, to follow that, but I really struggled to feel like God was really speaking to me in the same way he was to a lot of my friends. Um, and, and it just made me kind of question. Like, I kind of thought, you know, either something's totally wrong with me, or not everything, I'm, not everything I'm seeing here is actually God moving. That was kind of where I, where I got to. So I kind of really got kind of, I found myself really messed up, if I'm being honest, with, with a lot of that. Like, I think a lot of it was just people seeing other people doing stuff and kind of following them. And I was like, I don't know if that's actually God speaking. I wonder if it's just you seeing what other people are doing and kind of following suit. But I actually do believe I saw God move in that midst of that too, right? I believe I actually, I believe some of it was, was God speaking, and, but, but that didn't make me want to pursue it more. It made me actually, like, not want to pursue it more because I didn't have any sort of ability to feel like I could discern what actually was and wasn't God. So it, what, it, what it really, you know, made me do is sort of shut that part of myself off, right? I had strong feelings. I tried to follow them sometimes. I was like, that, you know, eventually became clear to me this is not God moving. And so it really made me just turn that part of me off, if I'm being really honest. I became sort of really wary and I kind of distrusted my own experience, really. So, like, I would, I would, I was like, I, I would really just, like, not at all trust anything. Like, if I feel like this, maybe this was God speaking, I wouldn't trust it. That, that was where I got. And so I got to this place where, like, the only way I felt like I could really experience Jesus or God, or grow at all, was just by reading my Bible, by reading other people, uh, and sort of reasoning my way to something. And if I couldn't find a good way to get there, you know, through reason or logic or something, I was like, I'm not going to trust that it's God. If it's my experience or someone else's, you know, I'm not necessarily saying out of hand it's not God, or, or it's, but I, am, I don't want to rely on that. That was kind of where I got to. And, and so I, I, I really, you know, like, move forward in that for a long time. Now, what, what I think what happened to me, as I've looked back on that, is I think it was good for me to sort of ask some questions about what I was experiencing, but the downside was I ended up a little bit like this guy, okay? So this is a, a tennis player named Victor Triaki, and take a look at his right arm, okay? Now look at his left arm, okay? 
you kind of see that like he's clearly spent a lot more time working on one of them than, than the other, right? And this happens a lot of times with tennis players, I know, because um, they're kind of constantly, you know, always using whatever hand that they use to, you know, to hold their racket. They're constantly, every single day, they're using that to hit the ball, and they're not doing anything to sort of grow their other arm. Or maybe they are a little bit, but it's like, it's clearly not the same amount of work. So you have this sort of like, you know, it might be really good for that thing, one thing you're doing, but in terms of rounding out like a sort of healthy body, that's maybe not how you would want to do it, right? I think I kind of that's kind of how I was living. I had a very overdeveloped one side of who I was and how I followed Jesus, and the other side was really underdeveloped. Now, I'm just going to make a guess here, okay? Knowing what type of congregation we have, I'm going to guess we tend towards having one arm really strong and another side not really strong, and it probably is a little bit more towards me, I'm going to guess. Like, we're just, uh, that's just kind of the, the, the personality of the church, I think. And I'm going to guess a lot of us maybe have had similar stories of, you know, deconstructing experiences they've had or finding themselves wary of that sort of, that side of engaging uh, with Jesus um, like I did. Now, we've we've spent this time in this sermon series really looking at Jesus, right? And when you look at Jesus' ministry, what you find so much, the Spirit is constantly moving around him, right? He's very aware of that. He talks a lot about it. And as we'll talk about today, he, he, he tells his disciples, if you're going to follow me, like the Spirit is going to be the way that you do it too. All right? So this means if we're going to follow after him, right? And this series really has been about us sort of looking, you know, directly at Jesus and asking, what does it mean to follow him you know, without any of the fluff or the frills that we can sometimes sort of find accumulated around Jesus, if, we're being, if we want to really do that, you know, honestly, we have to be willing to, uh, like, walk in the Spirit. And we'll talk about what that means today, okay? So I really want to encourage you and challenge you, if you are, you know, you feel like you might have an overdeveloped and underdeveloped side to your following Jesus, like, the balance is good. We need both arms to be strong, right? We are you know, it's not like we can't, you know, still uh, move forward following Jesus if one's underdeveloped and the other's overdeveloped. But I think a full, sort of healthy version of following Jesus, you know, is, is focused on both of these things, okay? But it takes some sort of wisdom to know what that looks like. And so what I want to do today, the big idea today is to talk about how we can test to know if we're walking in line with the Spirit. We can have some understanding of what it means to actually do that well, Okay? So, so there are three sort of tests I want to I say that we can kind of use to understand whether or not the, the Spirit is actually moving. So the first one here is this. Does it fit the role of the Holy Spirit? Okay? It seems to me a lot of times when, when we talk about, you know, walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, we use that sort of language. Well, a lot of times what we're doing is we're kind of talking about the Holy Spirit as like a supernatural tool to help us meet some end that we want to get to. Okay? So perhaps it could be like we have fear and anxiety about a decision coming up. And so we want to be told what to do next. We want to have some certainty that whatever we're doing is going to work out. We want a word from God to tell us it'll all be okay or something. You know, that's not a bad thing, but I think it's, it's primarily about just you're removing fear and anxiety from us. It could be to sort of gain a social capital or influence inside of like a community of faith that we're a part of, right? I definitely would say I've seen this before to say like, God spoke to me, you know, it does carry some weight to it, right? It can kind of make you feel like, you know, yeah, I'm kind of like a big deal within the community or God's speaking to me. And you would like to feel that a little bit. And so that's an end, you know, giving us maybe merit badges or something like that within the community. And the spirit talking to us helps us feel that way. Uh, it might give us, you know, make us feel worth or value, uh, you know, to make us feel like God notices us in some special way, right? There's something special about us that God is speaking to us specifically, and so we feel better about ourselves, you know, feeling like we know God has talked to us in some way. Uh, to make us feel extra godly, to make us feel like a super Christian, right? I definitely have had people come around and tell me, like, yeah, the Spirit likes to work through me in this way. Like, I kind of have this sort of special blessing from the Spirit to do this thing, and it's like, okay, so you want me to think you're really great. <laughs> like, that seems like what, you, what you're looking for with this, okay? Um, it can help us get out of uncomfortable situations. Has anyone ever been broken up with because the, the God told the other person to break up with you? And you're like, I wish you would have told me that because <laughs> I did not think that was <laughs> what was going to happen here, right? I've seen that happen before, right? 
okay? And, and you, can, you can blame God for it, and it kind of leaves you feeling like, oh, I can't be mad at you because apparently God told you to do this, and so, you know, what does that leave me? That's kind of, kind of sucks, so, okay? Um, in all these cases, I think the Spirit is sort of helping us meet a personal need, whether it's to belong, to have certainty, to tell us what to do, um, and we say we're being led, right? But in a lot of ways, I don't know if that's necessarily true. We're, I think we're trying to get to somewhere in particular, and we're trying to have the Spirit help us get there. I think that's different than actually being led and not knowing where you're going necessarily, but walking in a certain way to where the Spirit is actually leading you somewhere where you don't know where you're going to get to, okay? I think those are different things. And so for us to really understand, you know, the Spirit and what it means to be led by the Spirit, we have to really start by asking, well, what's the role of the Spirit in our lives even supposed to be, right? What has the Spirit been given to us for? What, what, what's, what's He trying to accomplish, now, in the, in the Old Testament, all the way back in the book of Genesis, God's spirit, his ruach, is a sort of agent in accomplishing God's purposes in the world, right? That's what we see right off the bat. And every time the spirit sort of pops up after that, we see it come on maybe certain people for the purpose of, of, of ex, you know, expanding God's work in the world. So a, an example I love is in the book of Exodus, where the tabernacle is about to be built, and the Spirit of God comes on a guy named Bezalel, and it gives him sort of the ability to have, uh, you know, the ability to, to, to have architectural understanding and an artistic understanding to build this sort of beautiful tent that God's presence is going to be housed in. All right, so it's the expansion of God's work in the world, and the Spirit comes specifically for that purpose upon Bezalel. Now, now so, so what we have is this sort of invisible mover behind things, but kind of moving forward God's purposes in the world, working behind and through sort of people and natural events to sort of accomplish God's purpose. That's the role of the Spirit that it seems like it has when we read in the Old Testament. And when Jesus comes along, he speaks about the Holy Spirit in really similar ways. And in the book of Acts, a lot of, a lot of scholars point out the book of Acts is sort of this, the story of the Holy Spirit in a lot of ways, sort of growing and developing God's, Jesus' purpose, really, of expanding his kingdom. Okay, and so right at the very beginning of the book of Acts, uh, this is where, sort of, last week Julie talked about the Great Commission, and, and in Matthew there's an account of it. In, in Luke, Luke doesn't have this at the end of his book. He has it actually at the beginning of the second volume of his work, which is called the book of Acts. So this is where we kind of get Luke's version of uh, the Matthew account of the Great Commission uh, that Julie talked about last week. Okay? And so in Acts 1.8, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we, we find that Jesus' goal for the Spirit to come is to bring a certain power to the disciples so that they can accomplish some task, which is to be witnesses. Now, now power, let, let's think about what power is. I remember in, in one of my political science classes in college, right off the bat, we talked a little bit about power. And the def, definition of power, I think, that, that I heard there has always stuck with me as a really good idea of just how to understand what power is. Power is something that can cause some A, let's say A, to do something that A would not or could not otherwise do. So power can have, you know, it can, be, it can happen coercively, that's true, but think about like power in a lamp. So a lamp is just sitting there, right, and it, and, and it doesn't do anything until you connect it to power. Power makes the lamp so it can sort of fulfill a certain purpose. But it can't do it without the power coming into the lamp to do that. So that's, what, that's what's going on here, is this idea of power coming in to sort of create new pathways, new opportunities, um, in order to bring Jesus' message beyond just the geographical bounds of Palestine and to come in a way that really roots it in people's hearts. Okay? That's what the Spirit is supposed to be coming for. And so, narratively, in the book of Acts, we get this, we get Jesus saying, this is going to happen, and Luke being sort of, a, you know, trying to, uh, you know, connect these things together. The next thing he tells us about is what happens in Acts 2, which is sort of the famous story of, of Pentecost. Okay, so Acts 2, verses 2 to 4, they're all um, hanging out in Jerusalem. This is for the, the, the festival of Pentecost, um, which I'm gonna, I'm, I, Aaron actually told me how to pronounce this correctly earlier, and I... 
I'm going to mispronounce this still, Shavuot. Um, it's a Jewish festival to sort of celebrate the harvest coming in. So what you had is you had a bunch of Jewish people coming from all over the world to Jerusalem to celebrate this. They don't all speak the same language, though, because they come from different parts of the world. So they, they're all gathered here in Jerusalem, and the disciples themselves are celebrating this. And suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So the Spirit now comes upon the disciples and gives them the sort of power to communicate with one another, to sort of bridge the language gap so that this message that Jesus is, is telling the disciples to go out and spread can now actually uh, take place. And it can actually be heard by people in a way that will you know, move them, that they will hear it in their own language and can respond to it. And that's actually what happens. Uh, it makes new things possible and new opportunities. Now, if you remember, we did this series, or the sermon on Jesus as God. Right? We talked about how Jesus is identifying him with Yahweh, the God who said he would come, he would gather Israel back together again like lost sheep. He'd bring them back into the fold. That's what Yahweh said he would always do. And Jesus is fulfilling it. And this is why Christians have always connected Jesus to God, to say this is actually God come in person. Well, God did this in Jesus, and now he's doing it through his spirit. Okay, that's the, that's the point here. That's the connection. And this is where, again, we start to develop this un- understanding of God as a triune God who accomplishes his purposes through three persons, Father, Son, and now Holy Spirit, who comes and works in his people to bring power, to make things happen that could not um, possibly have happened beforehand. Okay, so as we're thinking about the role of the Spirit, it's important for us to think about it like this. The Spirit isn't simply for us to experience Jesus, although that certainly will happen. It's for the world to experience Jesus through us. Okay, this is why the Spirit comes in the first place. When we first understand it's coming upon all believers, this is the purpose for which it's come. And so when we have this understanding, it helps us to understand like, what the role of the Spirit is going to be in our own lives as we seek to walk by the Spirit. And there's a couple of components to this. First off, the Spirit transforms us sort of more and more and more throughout our lives as we follow Jesus, making new things possible in us, in our hearts, to allow us to have deeper depths of understanding of who Jesus is, to have deeper knowledge of wisdom, of what it means for us in whatever situations we find ourselves in, to become more and more like Christ, um, to, uh, to have wisdom, to know what to repent of, to what parts of ourselves to, to die to, so we can look more and more like Jesus. But then also through us, as that happens in our own hearts, the world is going to experience Jesus through us in power. And so God's kingdom expanding includes sort of both of these things. Us growing deeper, more like Jesus, and the world experiencing us clearly uh, in that. Now we see this sort of play out, this understanding of the Spirit working in people's lives in other places where it gets brought up in the New Testament. Okay? And so one place is the book of Galatians. Okay, and this is a very complex letter. There's a lot of stuff going on and people have been arguing for a really long time about you know, the exact sort of specific parts of that. Um, but what's clear and what everyone can kind of agree on is that there's a dispute about Jews and Gentiles eating together um, based on following Torah. So a kind of community practice within this body of people who've been gathered together again, these sheep that have been brought together into one fold to follow God, um, uh, there, there's, a, there's a dispute about what it looks like for them to actually have community with one another. And so Paul talks to them about being led by the Spirit in their community gatherings. And his exhortation to them is that they ought to, uh, he uses language like walk in the Spirit or keep in step with the Spirit as opposed to anything else to help them bridge the gap in their community and then for themselves to know what it looks like to really follow Jesus. And so that language, that sort of keep in step or, or walk by the Spirit it's a sort of, it's, it's, it's like the dynamic of walking down a path in a certain matter, manner. Okay, I think that's, that's kind of what he intends here, right? We walk down the path in a certain way. It's not necessarily about, you know, knowing which path to take, but how we walk down whatever path we go down, okay? It's about how, you know, who we're becoming as we journey along a certain path. And that's what it means, I think, for Paul here to walk by the Spirit. 
okay? So how do we know we're walking by the Spirit? How do we, how do we discern that? How do we know, you know what manner to walk in? Okay, and that's where I want to get to the second test uh, for us to understand here, using Galatians. Does it have the marking of the Spirit? All right, does it have the marking of what the, it's supposed to look like when the Spirit is operating in us and in our midst? So I want you to think of it like an artist, okay? Now, a lot of times, if you're an artist, um, you are going to tell everyone, here's what I'm working on. This is what it's going to look like. And, you know, you, you spend some time, and it's, it's announced beforehand, right? Everyone knows sort of it's you that's working on this painting, and they should expect it at this time or, or another, right? And people are kind of waiting for it and everything. That, that's a normal way that you would, would do art. And, and maybe your only exposure to art is an art class, whatever. You had to tell your teacher, this is what I'm working on, okay? It's going to look like this, and it probably didn't turn out looking like what you hoped it would. Um, but regardless, you had a plan for it, and everybody kind of knew what the plan was. But not all artists work in this way. So this is, um, this is a painting by a guy named Banksy. Okay, I don't know, some of you guys have maybe heard of Banksy. He's an England-based street artist whose real name and identity no one knows. Okay, they, they don't know who this guy is, but what he'll do is he'll sort of show up and he'll do graffiti in public areas. He'll paint uh, paintings like this famous one, um, and he's famous for his style. It's very sort of provocative and beautiful. Now, there's no announcement that's made beforehand, right, before Banksy comes and paints stuff. Um, but when it's him, you kind of know it's him. When you, when you, when you see something on, on a wall that wasn't there before, you think, this looks like, it looks like Banksy. And actually, he has a website that he authenticates things on. So you can, ident- you can identify that it's him after the fact, after you've seen him show up, even if you weren't expecting him. I think the Holy Spirit works like this a lot of times, where the Holy Spirit authenticates uh, his work for us um, and has traits or marks that come in the form of certain fruit, okay? And so this is the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians 5, 22, and then 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, So when he talks about keeping in step with the Spirit, he's talking about seeing certain fruit grow in your life. And this is sort of the sign or the marker that the Spirit is working in you. Now, I think a lot of times our starting point for, you know, knowing if it's the Spirit or walking the Spirit is some sort of feeling, right? Or something, you know, something like that. We're waiting to feel something strongly, right? Or, Or find something we like and go after that. I think we ought to be starting here instead is looking to see, if this, has this fruit been working in the midst of something? Or does it seem like if I go down this path, this fruit will grow from it? I think that is probably uh, where we should be starting. Because the fruit in our midst, I think, is more important, okay? And this, this, this might be, a, a, this is different than what you hear a lot of times. But I think the fruit in our midst is more important than some, you know, mystical experience or feeling, Okay? That stuff matters. I'm not saying it's unimportant, but I think that this stuff is what we should be looking for, first of all, before just some strong feeling or experience or road to Damascus moment, is seeing this fruit grow, because this is what it means for the Spirit to come. And sometimes we'll see this beforehand, right? We'll see, like, maybe we're at a crossroads. We're trying to know what, where to go, and we look between two things, and we see this fruit growing in one of the places and not the other, and we can know the fruit or the spirit is probably leading me to here. Sometimes we might not know till after. Sometimes we might realize the spirit has been working in us because we can tell that this fruit has been growing in us and around us over a period of time that we're looking back on now. We can have confidence that the spirit was working in it. And the fruit that's created is created in both us who walk by the spirit, but then also people around us. Okay? And the things that we touch right? If that fruit is growing around us, people are experiencing it, I think we should assume the Spirit has been working in the midst of us, okay? So when these fruit, these virtues, these characteristics are in evidence, okay, we ought to assume that it is the Spirit working, okay? If it's just power but no fruit, I don't think we should assume it's the Spirit working in that. If it's just a feeling but no fruit is being created, no, no fruit is a part of it, I think we should question it, if it's, just, if it's even a vision, right, a dream you have, but this fruit does not seem to be a part of it, I think we should seriously question it. 
Because the Spirit is going to lead us to love, which looks like bearing one another's burdens. It's going to lead us to joy, not, not despair, but hope and excitement about the possibilities of what God is doing. It's going to lead us to peace, right? So many people do things in the name of Jesus that lead to hostility and division. When clearly he says, when my spirit is working, there is peace that comes out of it. It's going to lead us to patience. It waits. It's not controlled by the tyranny of the present, pushing in on us, making us fear and have anxiety about everything going on around us, but it leads us to have patience, to be willing to wait. It's going to lead us to kindness, to seek out what is best for other people. It's going to lead us to goodness, a desire for the goodwill of others and not their ill, and not just our own good, but goodness for all those around us. It's going to lead us to faithfulness. It's going to call us to long-term relationships, not giving up on people, but being willing to bear with them for a long time, perhaps. Right? That's what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. It, it, it leads us to gentleness, a sensitivity to the hearts of others, using tact and wisdom in how to approach his people. And it leads us to self-control. Okay? It calls us to deny ourselves in some way. Okay? If we're being led, if you're being led to something you really, really, really want to do that's going to cause you to give up all self-control, a lot of the times that's what you want to do, but that's probably not the Spirit. Right? If it's leading you to give up all self-control, you should question it. There's a fruit that's supposed to come when the Spirit is acting. And I, I can certainly think of instances where I had strong feelings about something, but at least looking back on it now, I can tell this fruit was not really in it. And I should have questioned, I should have asked myself, was this really the Spirit working or was this just something else? Because when God builds his kingdom through his Holy Spirit, these are like the building materials that he uses to build it up. Okay, it's built up out of this fruit. This is how we know it's God at work. Okay, and, and I can confidently say, like, uh, there's power that comes from a lot of this stuff, right? There is power that's associated when we show love, when we show peace or patience or self-control. Stuff happens when we do that. I can confidently say, like, as a church, most of the things that we've looked back on and feel like we've had success in, whether it's blessing the community around us or, or being, being known in the neighborhood, you know, like real power, like you know, making new things possible, it's come as we've sought out this stuff and not other things, right? As, as, the, as, as what, what God is doing. And so if we see these things, especially clustered together, our assumption should be that God is working, especially if we're pursuing Jesus in it. Okay? Now, usually I think this will be enough to sort of point us in the right direction. I think oftentimes, like, if we seek out this fruit, if we're being aware of it, this will, if we're coming on, if we're on the horns of a dilemma, if we're trying to make a decision, we're seeking this fruit out, a lot of times this will be enough to sort of point us in the right direction. Okay? But I do think that the Spirit can and will take us down specific paths where, where fruit grows. Okay? Maybe you have a couple of decisions and you can see, like, fruit you know, growing in both of them, right? Or the potential for this fruit to grow in both of them. And you're trying to wonder, well, which of these two do I pick? Okay, I, I do think that the Spirit does, can and, can and does lead us to specific paths sometimes. All right, and so that's this third test, all right? This is where I want to kind of uh, wrap the sermon up is on this third one. And this is, does it seem like a way God would get my attention? Okay, this seems like common sense, okay? And it's supposed to be. But does it seem like this is a way that God would get my attention based on who I am or maybe the, the season of life that I'm in? God speaks in many ways in the Bible, all right? We, we, he shows if he, if he wants your attention, he can get it. And we like to focus on the big sort of dramatic ways in which God speaks to us, like visions, like Paul on the road to Damascus, going to kill some Christians, and he sees Jesus show up right in front of him, and he completely changes, right? Um, we see dreams or, or manifestations. We see donkeys talking, <laughs> right? We, we, we see, we, he, we, I know people who have heard, you know, audible voices um, of God speaking to them, right? I, I know that that, you know, is something that people have heard, okay? But um, I think these big events, like these sort of dramatic shows, especially even when you look at some of them in the Bible itself, these are kind of like where you, you see the people and the direction that they're going in. It's like a train. They're headed in one direction, and it's like they're hit by another. The only way to stop this runaway train is to, to have something hit it head on, right? 
to, to kind of turn it from the direction it's going in. And a lot of times, these sort of big events, Paul is, is a runaway train headed to Damascus to go kill some Christians. The only thing that was going to turn that runaway train around was another uh, equally powerful force kind of coming to meet it. Okay? But I don't really think that that's the only way that God meets us. And I think we spend a lot of time, um, you know, in wishing God would speak to us in some dramatic way when that's not what God needs to speak to us to in order to get our attention. And so I think we need to be willing to demystify it, God giving us guidance. Um, because like, there are a lot of other ways that God speaks in the, new, in the Bible itself, right? So, for example, the, the prophet Elijah, he's standing on a mountain. He's exhausted. He's trying to meet God. And he meets them in the sound of silence. <laughs> We're not totally sure exactly you know, what that looked like, but it was silence. Somehow the silence that Elijah sat in, he knew it was God speaking to him. Um, the book of Acts has a lot of examples that include uh, essentially a game of dice, um, uh, frustrating plans, <laughs> just kind of making the plans that Paul had at one point difficult, unable to happen, uh, through preaching, right? Through someone preaching or, or teaching God's word and having someone just, that makes sense, I'm going to respond to it. Um, or th- even through just studying scripture, okay? So that, that's, here's what these are, okay? It's seemingly natural circumstances. It's small impressions, perhaps. Um, it's other people coming to us at a time where we maybe need to hear them. It's scripture. Um, and some of it's spontaneous, yeah, but some of it's like just a hand fitting a glove, right? It seems like this just makes sense along the trajectory that they've been going. Uh, one of my favorite examples is from Acts 16, and it, it features a, a woman named Lydia. And she is a, she's a God-fearer, and Paul comes into town, and he meets at a pray, place of prayer that God-fearers will go to. And all he does is he just explains to them, using Scripture, the, the Messiah, and, and that he had come. And, and what we're told is that God opened her heart. I assume that looked like her just being like, that makes a lot of sense. Like everything I've learned up to this point seems to be finding fulfillment in what this guy Paul is saying right here. I think I'm going to follow him, right? We are told that that is God himself moving in her heart, but it looks just like a light bulb going on in her head, right? Okay, that's going to be the way that God speaks to us uh, so, so often, I think. And I think that really makes sense when we really think about Again, this idea of God's spirit being, uh, being what, what the Hebrew word is for, for spirit, it's actually breath or wind. That, the Hebrew word ruach, it's actually like the same word for breath or wind. Now, what is, what, is, what is breath or what is wind? Well, it's something that you can't see, and a lot of times you don't really notice moving. Okay? Perhaps you know, it's windy out, but we don't even notice it because it, you know, we, we feel the wind moving a lot of times. Right? But it's still there. It's still moving. It's still accomplishing things. It's still pollinating the plants around us. It's still generating power in windmills in places around us. Right? The wind moving around us, something we don't see, we don't even notice a lot of times, still is producing power. It still is bringing about flowers growing, life growing in the world, even though we don't notice it's going on. And I think that's how the Spirit often moves a lot of times. Now, sure, there are times where we notice the wind and windstorms, right? Like, and you can't help but notice it. And God shows up and the Spirit moves like that sometimes. And we have to be you know, willing to respond when that happens and not surprised when it does. But I think more often, the Spirit moving is going to be in the small ways that we don't tend to notice, in the invisible ways, still moving us, still leading us in certain directions, still getting us to certain places, okay? but in ways that we don't necessarily realize. Things going on behind the scenes that when we look back on it, we would maybe say, I think the Spirit led me to this, but I wasn't necessarily even aware of that in the moment. And so all of this sort of means, don't premise your experience of God on other people. Don't use other people's experiences as a way for you to necessarily build up what it's going to mean if God meets and speaks to you in some way, right? And we just did this identity and calling class um, where we kind of spent some time walking through people's stories their gifts and their, 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 what we call their holy discontent, the things that they, they feel like they see in the world that, other, that, that others maybe see but don't see to the extreme that they do. If, you know, something needs to be done in this way. I feel like I see this. Um, and, 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 and all of this is sort of a part of the way in which we see God leading them, 
right? To live out of their identity and to find a sort of calling or vocation or a way to follow Jesus specifically for them, okay? All these different things that have gone on in their life, God is probably speaking through them. And, and, or maybe think of it like this. In Mark 12, um, Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your, your soul and your strength. Some of us are going to be better at worshiping God with our heart. Some of us are going to be better at worshiping God with our minds. Some of us are going to be better at worshiping God with our strength, uh, you know, through service and care of ministry. And think about it like this. Maybe you've, you've, you've served people in some way, and you feel like, man, I really feel like God is moving in the midst of this, okay? That's, that happens. Jesus says, when you serve the least of these, you're serving me. We should expect to experience Jesus sometimes when we serve the poor and the marginalized. That's an important part of the way we experience Jesus, all right? Is that a way that you're trying to experience Jesus? A lot of times we're not thinking we're going to meet Jesus in that, but that is a way that we're going to meet Jesus. We have different personalities. God will make himself clear to us in the ways in which our brains work naturally. Um, and our stories are going to come and play into this too. And this, you know, I'm going to circle back to my own experience here. Um, when I look back on this, I can see that this is true, right? Remember I said I kind of I shut myself off to try and experience God in, in any other way other than just reading and thinking and, you know, listening to smart people talk. And, and I wasn't really willing to meet God in any other way. Like looking back on that now, like I said, I was skeptical. I didn't trust my experience or anyone else's. So I, even if God tried to speak to me in the midst of that, I would not have listened to it. But as I look back on it, I, I didn't realize this at the time, but so much of what was going on in the midst of that, I really look back and I think God was leading me through meeting me where I was at, meeting me through the ways in which I was seeking him out, bringing me to the right books, right? Bringing me to the right scripture at the right time to sort of lead me down a certain path, opening my heart as I read, leading me to the right conversations, even in weird coincidences. And yeah, I even heard about uh, the, the, the church planning program that I ended up uh, having as I came down here into the Twin Cities, just really random stuff. Um, and all of that really led to this right here. Like, I would not be up here talking to you this morning in this church called Resurrection City if not for God working through the midst of all of that stuff, right? But at no point did I have a dream or a vision or anything like that that led here. But I, like, I'm like, it was the natural rhythm of my life. The Holy Spirit was woven into it, but looking back on it later, just like a Banksy painting, I can see the markings of the Spirit working in it, okay? And I think that so often, this is what it looks like for us to follow Jesus, the Spirit will give us wisdom when we read Scripture, when we spend time around one another in community group or in fellowship with one another. God is going to speak to us in that. He's going to open our hearts up. He's going to give us power to be witnesses. Um, he's going to help us encourage each other in community, giving uh, each other the right word at, at the right moment, um, the, you know, power and fruit to bring people encouragement, to make things possible in the world to make this fruit grow in ways it would not grow without the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe you're frustrated. Maybe when you heard, you know, the, at the beginning of the sermon, like, oh, experiencing Jesus, you were hoping for some five-step process, like follow step one, step two, step three, step four, boom, step five, you will have a direct phone call line to Jesus himself, right? Okay? And if you're frustrated I didn't give it to you, uh, I'm sorry. But I actually want to challenge you on that. If that's something you're hoping for, I think a lot of times we want the easy button. You remember those commercials for the easy button? We want to hit a button. We want something to come to us. And that's how five-step processes can work a lot of times. But think about it like this. When a company doesn't want to talk to you, what do they give you? They give you like three steps to get in touch with them. Here, email this email and um, like then you'll get a response back and then wait whatever long and you know fill out the survey for us right okay we all know what they're trying to do to us right they don't want a relationship with us so they're giving us these steps to sort of make it so we can't have a relationship i think a lot of times when we want easy steps to take to sort of speak with god i think a lot of times we're doing it because we don't want a relationship either or we don't want to put in the hard work to really have a relationship with him Okay? When in reality, having a relationship with someone means you do the hard work of trying to figure out how to communicate well with them. You're patient, right? 
I, I'm six years into marriage with Julie, and I understand her a lot better than I did when we first met, but I'm still figuring out how to communicate well with her. We still have miscommunications. I still takes a lot more work than I you know, expect that it should sometimes, right? That's how it is with God. If we really believe God is a speaking God who has relationship with us, we should expect it to be a challenge sometimes, to be worked, for us to have to put uh, a, a lot of thought and understanding, to look for fruit, right? To understand how is God speaking to me in this moment, okay? That's not a bad thing. It's just the form of a speaking, it's, it's what it looks like when a speaking relational God is the God that we are connected to. So I know that this is, oops, sorry, I know that this is just, you know, one sermon, right? And I agonized over like, man, how do I like approach this topic? Although I have felt that way with every sermon in the series, basically. Um, but like, I realize we're just getting the ball rolling on conversation here. But I want to, I want to like, I want us to continue to process this as a church, okay? I don't want the conversation to stop after community group this week, right? And then we move on to some other subject in the sermon series. Because this matters, right? Because the world and, and the church needs the fruit of the Spirit to be growing in the midst of it. It needs the power that comes from God because it needs it and the world needs it. That's why it came in the first place. And if we are not going to allow ourselves to experience it, to connect to it, then we are missing out on that power and that fruit, which is something that the church and the world desperately need right now. And so if we're going to follow Jesus and trying to walk forward faithfully in the midst of the world that we've, in, we've inherited, we're going to have to do it by relying on the Spirit. And if you care about that, then you have to be willing to walk in the Spirit as well. All right, I'm going to pray, and then we will do uh, some question and response here. Lord, um, we thank you that you do give us your Spirit, that you don't, um, you don't leave us on our own, you don't leave us to figure it out on our own, um, but you give the Spirit to each and every one of us, and you meet us uniquely, Lord. Um, one of our experiences of that will not look like everybody else's, God. And it shows that you know us and you care about us, that we have a unique sort of relationship and connection to you, God. I know that that can be a challenge. I know that there are ways that that has been abused in the past or there's been confusion around it that have made us maybe want to pull back from it. Um, but Lord, I pray that you would help us to uh, still move forward in the midst of it and that you'd meet us as we seek you out, Lord. Give us power, give us fruit, uh, and give us wisdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we have any questions? Yes, we do. We have a lot of good ones. So I'm going to try to um, combine several into this one and uh, try to be brief with your response because this is a big question. Yeah. Um, but what is the difference between the Holy Spirit that we get in the New Testament and the Spirit that is talked about in the Old Testament? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't think there's substantively any difference necessarily. There is a difference in understanding, you know, perhaps how the Spirit uh, is part of who God is and, and what the Spirit has been testifying to. But I will say one of the big differences, and actually in the Acts um, passage that we read today in Acts 2, when, when the Spirit comes upon them at Pentecost, um, Peter actually gives this sort of long message to everyone. And he talks about in the prophet Joel how the coming of God uh, would look like his spirit being poured out on all people. And so in the Old Testament, uh, the, this, you know, this is something they're expecting. This is something they're waiting for as a sort of uh, what it will look like when Yahweh, when he does come in the way that he'd been talking about through Joel, through Isaiah, like we've talked a lot about in this series. Like this was what it would look like. He'd pour his spirit out on people and they says they would have visions and dream dreams and, and all these different things. And Peter says, I tell you now in, in your hearing, I'm paraphrasing here, but like this has been fulfilled. This is what's going on right here. This rushing wind that, you know, that we heard here, these tongues of fire appearing above our heads. This is, uh, this is taking place now. And so now the spirit is sort of available to everybody. And, and that's what we, we find Paul saying, hey, all of you Galatians, you now can experience this fruit. It's not just coming on specific people in specific places like prophets or Bezalel or, or whoever else. It's available to all of us now. 
Um, and, that, and that comes uh, as, as a part of God coming in Jesus. So I would say that's the, that's the big difference um, between what we find in the Old and the New Testament. I think the Spirit has the same role in both. It, it's just the access, yeah. Okay, and then I've got two um, kind of case studies maybe of okay. examples. So one question, uh, the first one is basically, I'm summarizing, but what do we do when we feel like the Spirit is leading us to do something, but others don't allow us to do it or are resistant? So if, if you feel mm-hmm. like the Spirit's leading you something, but leadership or people above you are, are mm-hmm. not open to that thing, or yeah. maybe just friends and family around you are telling you that's not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, uh, I mean, there's, every situation is different. So I think that would first off just say, I, to give a blanket, here's what you should do anytime you experience that is probably not the wisest thing for me to do. Um, okay, it'd be easier if, you know, we could, we could talk about it. But um, so first of all, I, I would say, again, this, the fruit of the Spirit is, it's peace, um, it's, it's, it's faithfulness, it's self-control, uh, it's, it's patience, it's some of these things, right? Um, if, if you're feeling urged to, you know, be, you know, divide from people to sort of, you know, give up faithfulness to them, perhaps, you know, question whether or not that's the Spirit. Um, because when the Spirit comes, I think it creates that. Now, all that said, I don't think that that necessarily means that, that um, the Spirit isn't working for this person, though. Um, but I, I would also just say, if these are people who, who follow Jesus, um, who, who are also confessing him and are also walking in the Spirit, um, just be willing to listen to them. If, oh, if you're meeting a lot of opposition, uh, don't take that for granted. Uh, I'm not saying, you know, think that for sure means it's not the Spirit, um, but I am also saying, like, um, the Spirit's working in these other people too. Um, so there's all that. All that said, not everyone is always walking in the Spirit, and it could be... Um, it could be a situation to where, um, you know, God is leading you towards this, and, and perhaps it, it does mean to, to strike off on your own. So, um, yeah, it's, it's complicated, I would say. Um, <laughs> if you want to talk more about it in person, whoever sent this, you know, me and Julie would love to, to talk with you. So, yeah. And I would just add, you could encourage whoever is opposed mm-hmm. to it to pray about it and seek the Spirit, because mm-hmm. um, then you just have more people who are also seeking the Spirit mm-hmm. and, you know, in this same direction, asking the same question. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, okay. So this, then this is. I'll end with this one. There's a lot more we could get into, but just for time's sake, um, this person ends asking essentially, "What should I do if I have the if I have some kind of radical experience with the spirit, but it makes other people uncomfortable?" Hmm. And so they're saying, "I should probably hide it or not share anything, right?" Hmm. Oh. Um, have discernment, I guess, to the people you're talking to. If you're talking to a bunch of, you know, stodgy old Lutherans, uh, <laughs> you know, sure, maybe have some gentleness, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Um, I, yeah, I, I, you know, uh, Midwestern people are notoriously uh, awkward about big feelings and experiences, and so, sure, I can totally see this happening. I would say, though, like, don't hide it. Um, I would say try to have discernment intact in how you talk with people about it. Um, but, um, it's a, way God, it's a way God speaks, right? We have examples of both. I tried to highlight those in, in the sermon, but um, uh, have patience and self-control and peace with, with these people. But don't, I, wouldn't, I would say don't hide it. Yeah, I would say don't hide it. Um, hopefully they can get to a place of sort of celebrating that. Yeah. And it could be a way that you are speaking to other people around you by yep. sharing those things. Great, we'll end it with that one. Are, but. Awesome. Good, good questions as always. Um, we try our best to give responses. Um, and uh, we didn't get to some of the questions. Every week we put out a YouTube video where we get to the rest of them. So if you, didn't, if you put a, a question in, didn't get a response, and would like to hear that, uh, at some point this week we will get that up on our YouTube channel for you. So 